Elaine floated to my side. Happy birthday, Vera. My friends, my family, echoed the words as Reese set the cake down on the low-lying table before the fire. I glanced toward my sister. Did you? A nod from Elaine. Noella did the decorating, though. It was then that I realized what the three different tiers had been painted to look like. On the top, flowers. In the middle, flames. And on the bottom, widest layer, stars. The same design of the chests of drawers I'd once painted in that dilapidated cottage. One for each of us, each sister. Those stars and moons sent to me, my mind, by my mate, long before we'd ever met. I asked Nuala to do it in that order, Elaine said as others gathered round. Because you're the foundation, the one who lifts us. You always have been. My throat tightened unbearably, and I squeezed her hand in answer. More, Cauldron bless her, shouted, Make a wish and let us get to the presents! At least one tradition did not change on either side of the wall. I met Reese's stare over the sparkling candles. His smile was wide enough to make the tightness in my throat turn into burning in my eyes. What are you going to wish for? A simple, honest question. And looking at him, at that beautiful face and easy smile, so many of those shadows vanished, and our family gathered around us, eternity a road ahead. I knew. I truly knew what I wanted to wish for, as if it were a piece of Amran's puzzle clicking into place, as if the threads of the weaver's tapestry finally revealed the design they'd formed to make. I didn't tell him, though, not as I gathered my breath and blew. Welcome to the House of Wind Book Club. I'm Hannah. And I'm Amber. This is a fan podcast where we discuss our current book obsession. We're going to break down chapters, characters, themes, and, let's be honest, gossip about our theories relevant to the magical, fairy-filled lands of Prithian. Just so you know, this podcast will contain spoilers and is explicit. We swear and we talk dirty. If you don't get worked up over the phrase, grab the headboard, or, hello, Farrah darling, then proceed with caution. We hope you enjoy being a part of our book club. Stay smutty. Oh no! I only saw the five! Is it recording? Wait, it's recording now! What the fuck? Wait, five, you didn't four. see the countdown? <laughs> I only saw the five. The five came and then the five disappeared. Okay, do you There was no down. four. Four, three, two. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another chaotic episode of the House of Wind Book Club, where we are one brain selling it tonight. Anybody else in the one brain cell club? <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Welcome, welcome. Um, friends. Hannah and I have had like a couple of weeks of vacation and Hannah had COVID, then I had COVID. So we haven't really talked at all. And so we came on to record uh, two and a half hours ago. 
And we are now just recording. <laughs> Long story short, don't live far apart from your besties, guys. Yes. Yes. But oh, oh my gosh. We're but we're we, here now. We're recording yep, now. We're here. We have had a like a fun couple of weeks, minus the COVID bits. Yeah. Um, but we also like haven't recorded in that long of time either so it's been a minute since we jumped into frost and starlight and we are like we're still deep in our reread right so this episode comes out on the 24th which is the last episode before you know what comes out oh my gosh we are b h o f a s that's our date that's how we're (laughs) that's how we're dating it how are you guys feeling are we getting excited flame and shadow we are, I just finished uh, the second Crescent City book and it, I like couldn't read the last 10% of the book because I knew what was going to happen and I was still so nervous to read it again. But we have both, yeah, we're, we're deep in our reread um, and we're just excited. I'm, I'm contemplating ways that I can work on no sleep. So if you have any suggestions... Hit me up, let me know, because I didn't ask off work and I should have. Um, so now I must suffer the consequences. <laughs> These are the Please consequences. No hard, drugs. <laughs> no hard drugs. No hard drugs. Yeah, we work Anything in healthcare. Else? We, can't, we can't do drugs. Is Adderall acceptable? <laughs> no, no, it's not. Oh God! You know it is. Yeah, that's the like hard part about being an adult. I probably would have thought about maybe calling in sick one day if I wasn't just off for an entire week. Same, same. I actually considered it. Yep. Um, but yeah, at this point, I'm probably not going to do that. But other books that we're getting into right now, I actually just started Butcher and Blackbird, which Mm -hmm. is going around. People are like raving about it, and I'm like two thirds, maybe, maybe even a little further than that through it and it is so good um i got so i got through the that. trigger warnings <laughs> okay and the first oh the as first always five like, minutes <laughs> read and or and or listen to the trigger warnings mm-hmm. but when i tell you that this is the best audiobook i have ever period ever listened to Ever and I am like and I am I. It's not even close. Belladonna, not even close. Really, this these individuals that read this book to you, it is. It feels like you are in a movie. I sat on my couch this morning, people. I sat on my couch this morning with my cup of coffee in my hand and my dog sitting, my dog Rusty sitting right next to me, and I pet him. For like two and a half hours and just with my headphones in and just stared at a wall and listened to this book. Because never in my life have I been like this obsessed with a book and not wanted to switch between listening and reading. I haven't even considered reading this book. I refuse. I refuse to read this book. So you need to listen to it. I can't wait. I started it. I just, I am ready to, it's just funny because I am still so new to like the, the darker romance. Like Amber has done a good job of getting me into like, like smut itself, but then, you know, diving into the more abstract, I would say maybe abstract. It's dark. It's It's dark. dark. 
Okay. Um, In all fairness, it starts out strong. It starts mm -hmm. out pretty gross, like the first chapter, I think. Um, But once you get through that, it's totally fine. Do not not eat while you start this book. (laughs) Just a a fair warning. I was eating, and that's why I haven't revisited it yet. Do not eat while you read the beginning of this book. And we'll have to get a little review from Hannah once she's finished with it, because I've read a lot of dark romance, and this is not, this isn't true like dark not true dark romance like it's not right an intense that's the word i'm looking for it's not an intense dark romance um but it's still dark so it's like a it's a good one to start with i think um but we'll have to get a little review from from you hannah once you're this, done so if you've if you've never yes. read dark romance before this is a good place to start i think this might be a, a good regular patreon like maybe we can do a, a patreon on this one it mm-hmm. seems like you're really loving it so i i really I haven't given Hannah like any of my feelings mm-hmm. about it because I I don't want to spoil anything and I want her to experience it herself. So I'm, I'm saving excited. all my reactions for when she's done. But we have a really I'll great way. That. We have a really great way for you to listen to it. Yes. Yeah, so as you know, as a listener of this podcast, you beautiful, beautiful listener, you can get <laughs> a month free trial and... You can get Butcher and Blackbird for free when you sign up for this trial. You get a free title, and you can find that at www.audibletrial.com slash houseofwind. You can see what the magic is all about, because I'm pumped to get into this book since Amber says it's the best audiobook she's ever listened to. So Yeah, 100% worth it. And, and just in general... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. I was just going to say, there's been a lot of hate floating around towards people who listen to audiobooks. Audiobooks are reading. That's all I have to say. Continue. 100%. Yes. 100%. And also, I know we've talked about this before, but let's talk about it again. Can we can we go back to our roots of just being positive to anyone who is reading and or listening? And regardless of what you like or what you don't like, you're still wonderful and beautiful. And we're happy that you're here. And if you like to listen to audiobooks, that's great. If you don't like to listen to audiobooks, that's great. Um, we still love you no matter what. And reading is reading, even if you're listening to it. Okay. Mwah. Those are my snaps. I'm sending you snaps. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Our other announcement, Patreon. We have another Patreon. tier, the Valkyries. A lot of you have already subscribed to that second tier. You're the bomb.com. Um, Thanks, babes. We, at, by the time this is released... We will almost be releasing our February Patreon, um, which we're actually going to release at the end of January because it is going to be about Crescent City 3, like, predictions and general, like, kind of a theory deep dive that got a little wild and we're really excited to share that with you. So if you are all in the SJM universe like we are right now, please take a peek at our Patreon because you will not be disappointed. We are, we save a lot of our chaotic energy for our Patreon. And so if that's your thing. Uh, take a peek. <laughs> yeah. This is our professional this is like podcast professionals. And then Patreon is just like literally anything. Goes. <laughs> yeah. Do it's we great. like that? If you know, you. you know. Yeah. You've been there, done that. <laughs> So let's let's dive back into Frost and Starlight, people. Let's do it. I'm ready. Last episode. Last episode was a whirlwind of Bat Boys. Whirlwind that involved also involved like Lucian and more and just a lot of different things that 
were happening. Um, but in the beginning, Reese, Az, and Cass have this like lovely banter that we're just obsessed with. And it happened right after a night of way too much drinking. And Cass and Az were complaining about their shitty tiny room in the house, but obviously they're not actually too upset about it. Um, Reese, uh, not that we're surprised, but we again realize how obsessed he is with Farah, stenching up the entire house with his arousal just by looking at her. No big deal. But it's actually really cute. It is. And then Reese woke Farah up on her birthday. She was also quite hungover, but he woke her up with very thoughtful gifts to encourage her painting and support her painting journey. And again, just so sweet. It's so sweet. They're so cute. I love them. And yeah. Last but not least, Lucian came to visit. And he and Farah had a very like tense, awkward moment. And we also learned about the band of exiles before Lucian left, which was just awkward. We weren't super excited about how Farah responded to that. And lastly, more winnowed Farah to demonstrate just how tough their Illyrians are. And what she beheld were three barricades to protect each Bat Boy during their wait for it snowball fight. Illyrian babies indeed. Oh my god. I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> I don't care. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, diving back into the magical snowball fight, which, again, is just a perfect, beautiful element to include. Just, I love it. So we learn in chapter 19 that Asriel won the snowball fight this year. It's his 199th victory. (laughs) Oh my God, these guys are old as shit. They're all so old. And the fact that, like, if you think about, like, a human lifespan... And if you have traditions, like having a tradition for like a couple decades is pretty impressive. 200 years. And that's just the amount of times that he's won, which is almost half. Let's talk about that. Asriel's a beast. Asriel, I was just telling Amber, you guys, during our two and a half conversation before we started recording, um, that I would... I would do literally anything to get my hands on a book about Asriel, like, anytime soon. I need to know more about this man. I need to know more about him now. I'm intrigued. We love Reese. We love Cass. Give us more Asriel, for the love of God. Please. Please. (laughs) I I feel like... I feel like we're going to be huge Asriel girlies on this podcast. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Ooh, we're going to have to do the switching sides. Like, Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, man. As much as I love my baby boy Cass, I don't know. Asriel might win. But anyways, until that day happens. Time will tell. Time will tell. So the Bat Boys enter the cabin, dripping and grinning, and then they head to the Birchin, which is basically a sauna, from what I gather. And they go to have a steam together. Which more informs Feyre, this is also a part of their tradition. Quote, a bunch of naked warriors sitting together in the steam, sweating. <laughs> That's where I want to go on my next vacation. <laughs> Just Travelocity book vacations to the Bat Boys purchase. 
<laughs> oh, God. So, Feyre, like all of us, lets her mind wander here. And Reese chimes in down the bond. And he says, quote, Interested in taking a look? And Farah is kind of like, ew, no. But Reese keeps going, saying, there's room for one more in here. And she mentions him being territorial, and he just says, I'm always eager to learn what sparks your interest, Farah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so if this intrigues you, dear listener, like it does us, clearly. This has me screaming. This has me screaming. Uh, I need this to actually be a scene, but I will say, if you are interested in this, we have uh, posted on our Patreon the link to a fanfic that someone wrote about this very thing happening. It, listen, listen, if you have never read fanfic in your life, this is your gateway fanfic piece. Yes. Okay. And then... You can subscribe to our, or continue to subscribe to our Patreon. And this is going to be just the inner circle, the tier one. We mm-hmm. are going to have like a, a deep dive into this fanfic. And it's, it's smexy. It's smexy. It's, it's hot. It's steamy. It's, mm, it's everything, everything we want it to be. It's so good, y'all. It's so good. Um, so there's that. Just, just keep in mind, if you are curious and you want to know what this would be like, it's written. It is on the interwebs. Okay. It's Continuing so on. Oh my god. It's it's really good. Um, I've read it several times. I have too. <laughs> <laughs> I knew once you read it, you would also read it a bunch. Yeah. Ooh. Mama if you sweating. know, you okay, know. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. Ooh. All right. Ay-ay-ay. So... Then Farah looks around the cabin at the walls that she painted and remembers Reese promised to take her against these walls. And she sends that thought down the bond to which Reese is like, I can't have a boner in here. It's bad manners. <laughs> and she smiles wickedly and just sends him images of her on the table, Reese kneeling before her, her legs wrapped around his head. And as she's doing this, she just hears a slam. And a yelp and banging, and more realizes <laughs> that Farah got Reese kicked out of the Birchin. I love this. It's hysterical. You just see Asriel and Cassian being like, "Dude, get your shit together, man! Yeah, like, get the fuck really? out of here! <laughs> get out of here! Get that out. stench and that boner, dude! <laughs> Come on! Oh, oh man, I love, I love it, I love it." So the next scene is we're moving like past this. We're at we're at the solstice party. And Reese is raising a toast to his found family, our favorite, our favorite, favorite trope of all time. Mm. And they're all dressed to the nines. And he says, quote, to the blessed darkness from which we are born and to which we return. And I love how Feyre still can't get over just how casual Reese keeps things, especially when we're thinking in comparison to the spring court, right? Like this would have been 
Ianthe would be doing a big spiel, the magic show, and, you know, Tamlin would be doing whatever Ianthe says, you know what I mean? So it just it's just a different vibe. Um, And this, I guess, passes Vera's, Vera's vibe check. So. Vera... <laughs> Fair spots vibes. <laughs> Fair lane by the window, and she moves to go say hello. But Asriel beats her to it, wishing Elaine a happy solstice. And Elaine reveals it's her first solstice. And Amron's like, meh, they're overrated. <laughs> Screwed. And I love that more. <laughs> she is, but I also love this where more is like. Says the person whose pockets are overflowing with jewels when she leaves here every solstice. <laughs> I love Amron. Oh. I love her. She, she's yeah. Like, she's the best. She is a dragon. Yeah. She just is like hoards jewels, is fiery and spicy. And I love her. The banter between these two is just absolute gold. Amron saying, quote, be careful, Morgan, or I'll return the pretty little thing I got you. And Moore actually shuts up because she's like, oh, no, <laughs> oh, I want shit. this present. <laughs> I'm in trouble. I know Amron will actually follow through on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anyone's going to follow through on a threat like that, it's Amron. Yeah. If anyone's going to actually give you a lump of coal, it's going to be Amron. <laughs> yeah. Like, For something you did to her Amarin like Marian's- 65 years ago. It'll it'll come up this and she'll be like, "War." <laughs> this is for you telling me that my ruby earrings did not match my dress. One hundred and thirty-five years ago. <laughs> this is for the time you gave me elk's blood instead of rabbit blood. I don't know, Amron. Just I feel like she, yeah, she could be like where she has just a log in her head of all the wrongs everyone ever did to her. <laughs> And they're all petty, oh stupid, all- like, things that you didn't even realize yes. that were, like, things that she's even remembered. Yes. And yeah. she brings it up at the most opportune time for her. <laughs> That's Amron. Yeah. Oh, we God. Love her. love her. Vera realizes the whole room has actually gone quiet. And she sees that Reese is coming in with a giant cake for her birthday. Surprise! No one forgot your birthday, Feyre. <laughs> yeah, like what? <laughs> I can't believe they she just ever forgot your birthday. I think we talked about this last episode, but seriously, seriously, no. Come on, girl, girl, yeah. get with it. <laughs> so we learned that Elaine and her two buddies, Noel and Caridwen, made this cake for Feyre, and it's special because each tier represents the drawers that Feyre had painted for each of the sisters on the dresser in the cabin. Flowers, flames, and the very stars that Reese had sent to her long before they had even met. Mm. Ah, I love this. <sighs> and we see that the stars were placed on the bottom from Elaine as she says, quote, because you're the foundation, the one who lifts us, you always have been. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Oh, I that think is, that's, it's so special. It is. The fact that Elaine, I think that's why I'm starting to like Elaine a lot more. Elaine, she knows what's up. 
like she's she sees through all the bullshit, I think, where she's like, okay, like Farah, you are the one that like holds us all together, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Also and actually says something about it. Right. Here, go ahead. And also, side note, Hannah baked a cake for my bachelorette <laughs> party just like this. And yeah, decorated it like this. Yeah, I did. For There's my Akatar themed yeah, for my Akatar themed bachelorette party. Hannah did this. <laughs> Guys, get yourself a best friend like <laughs> Hannah. That's all I have to say. That is all I have to say. Thank but you, you can't You're take her, she's mine. Yeah, I'm Amber's. Sorry, property of Amber's. Taken. Gonna... I need a sweatshirt that says property of Amber's. <laughs> I belong. <laughs> Amber's best friend. <laughs> Amber's bestie. Have you seen the videos where it's like when your best friend talks about her other friends, like she has any other friends besides you? <laughs> like she has so any I... other friends. <laughs> like anytime you talk about anyone else, I'm like, excuse me. Even though I also <laughs> love those other people, I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm your bestie. <laughs> Or the resty. Yep. <clears throat> oh man. So oh, good stuff. But yes, if you want to see what that cake looked like, we it's in a reel on our Instagram where I put it together from her uh, bachelorette party. Which honestly, we should do that for a birthday party again too. I feel like that was just a fun. That was, was a fun. Awesome. Time. That was amazing. Yeah, that oh, was good. Yeah, that was a blast. Actual good times. So yeah, Reese comes in with this cake. Elaine is like, you are the glue, Farah. We all cry. And then Moore tells Farah to blow out the candles and make a wish. And Reese asks what she's going to wish for. And Farah, sneaky dog, she already knows what she wants, but she keeps it to herself and blows out the candles. And we already know what she wants, right? She wants a baby. A baby. But at least Farah knows the rules. You don't tell people what you're wishing for. It doesn't come true. I wonder if that's true in Prithian, too. Good point. With fairies. Like, with actual magic, is that how it works? <laughs> right. <laughs> so they all have cake before dinner, which if you have ever been friends with me, you know, it's the only way to eat dinner. <laughs> I always say eat your dessert first. <laughs> Life's too short to not eat dessert first. It is, my friends. It is. Rule number one from <laughs> Granny Marge. Yes, Granny Marge's rule book. Eat dessert first. It's the best <laughs> part of any meal. So Reese snaps his fingers. I just, I need to be at this party. Reese snaps his fingers and mountains of presents appear. Just out of thin air. Even the ones Farah had hidden away. <laughs> and more squealing with absolute delight is my actual favorite thing from this chapter. <laughs> yep. Just like undiluted just, joy. Yes. Like a four-year-old coming down the stairs on Christmas morning to see that Santa had delivered all of the presents. This is more, but like she's 500 years old. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm obsessed. Then we learn that everyone gives their gifts to Reese because he's the only one who won't peek at them <laughs> out of the entire inner circle. And they started doing it after they caught Amran shaking a box. <laughs> And they're all like, yeah, this is why. And Amron's like, well, Cassian was down here sniffing every single box. And Cass just says, I wasn't the one who got caught. <laughs> like, you're the reason we have this rule, Amron. <laughs> I was sneaky about uh, it. <laughs> and, oh, I love it. Yeah, Amron, Amron of course. You're the, 
Yeah, he was like, Amron, you're the reason we can't cheat anymore. So thanks for that. Thanks for ruining that. <laughs> Good job. Go team. Good job. And then she's the one who ruined it, but she's the one who offers to open a gift first. Yeah. I suppose if no one else wants to open a gift, I will take that responsibility. Better be fucking good. <laughs> I volunteers for tribute. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll take the diamonds. No big deal. Yeah. She gets a, oh, a nice flirty, flirty poke from Barian. And she rips into her first gift ferociously, which I also love this. Just the personalities shining through in this chapter is really, as a reader, it's like our dessert, you know? It's just, it's so sweet. And she reveals the pearl and diamond earrings from Asriel and Beans, thanking him. All I have to say, you guys, I want to see Amran's jewelry collection. Do you know, have you ever seen The Princess Diaries too? Mm, yeah i think so when she like has her own suite and her grandmother walks her through and she's like showing her she's hitting all the buttons and the drawers come open and it's just like necklaces necklaces crown jewels crown jewels like i just picture Amron <laughs> having this like closet and it's just her jewelry walk-in closet honestly like, yep and her tiny ass apartment half of it is for her jewelry storage yep 100 <laughs> percent so Cassian then strides forward and he just chucks a present to Moore, telling her, I know what you like. And everyone chokes as she holds up this like barely there red lingerie. <laughs> and Moore is like, guys, come on, don't let Cassian fool you. He had no idea what to get me. So I told him what I wanted and he just followed my commands like a good boy. And <laughs> <laughs> Reese is like, Oh, the perfect warrior through and through, just following following <laughs> command. And Cass just jabs back. Don't worry, Reese, I got one for you too. And then on top of this, Reese just says confidently, Shall I model it for you? I love it. I, I think, love it. This is amazing. This is everything I wanted from this book and yeah. more. <laughs> mm. It's like one thing to see these people in all these super serious situations, but it's just so nice to see like what day-to-day life is like with these characters. Right. Ugh. Just their natural, I don't know. That's just how they are. Yeah, like how are we when when everyone's not in peril, you know? Yeah. True. When the fate of the universe doesn't like hang in the balance and it's your responsibility. <gasps> What's oh, that man. like? What's that like? This is what like? it's like, everyone. Yeah. We only see it once in a while, but so yeah. remember it. Go back to this when you need a comfort read. Mm-hmm. Oh. So Farah laughs and she realizes Elaine is laughing too. And Farah goes hunting for the present she got, Elaine. And then a knock sounds. And silence falls over the entire room. Because everyone knows who's at the door. And Farah goes to answer the door. Bracing herself for the coldness that is Nesta. That's how we end this chapter. (laughs) Chapter 20. Enter Nesta. And quite frankly, I'm glad. This is what I talked about. I can't remember if it was last episode or the episode before where, you know, I'm, I'm giving Nesta a little bit of grace for this chapter. 
That's a yeah, bold and underline uh, for this chapter. Because mm-hmm. A, she needs to be here. This is this is an important moment. Um, and it feels like a very important moment for her to be present for. So Elaine and Farah are both relieved to see her, even though we had to like kind of blackmail her to get mm-hmm. her here. But you know, she still showed up. Great. Yeah. And Elaine just hooks arms with Nesta and brings her to the sitting area. So she poured Nesta a glass of wine. And then Elaine poured herself a shot of amber liquid that she just kicked her back before facing Nesta again. And this just, this kind of tickled me that even Elaine is like driven to take the edge off with Nesta. Yes. It just tickled me. Of all people, I, I Elaine, again, that just shows like the no bullshit, like her veil that she's had on. Mm-hmm. Either with just being kind of naive Elaine or being kind of seer, newly made Elaine. You know, mm-hmm. that veil is like coming off and she's like, oh, okay, let's that do this really shit. shines. It really shines through in this episode. And I feel like we're really getting to see who Elaine is a little bit. Like she's, mm-hmm. she does have substance. Like she does. got some character and we're starting to see it. And I like that because we need that from her at this point in the story. Agreed. And I do think it takes a deep dive like this podcast to see it. Um, yeah. Oh. Sure. And and to and to really understand that there is depth to her character, and so I can like I one hundred percent understand because I was one of them, uh, one of the people that really thought that Elaine was this very shallow, like just not a lot of oomph to her character, you know, just pretty bleh. Mm-hmm. But to your point, yeah, it really is shining through, like her depth, her potential. She has a lot of a lot of things that. A lot of directions that her character could go. And I think her and Az are similar in this way because we know just enough to like make our own conclusions about who we think they're going to be, but we don't know enough to actually know. Yeah. That's a Which very is good kind point. of the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. But so Elaine takes a shot back and Amryn naturally snaps at Nesta to get some food. And she's just like, I can see your bony ass even through that dress and smirks right at Nesta. You know, Amryn's just like baiting her, mm-hmm. which is not what we want, Amryn. Amryn's in rare form tonight. You know, she's always kind of like this, but it's like, come on. We're yeah. already walking on eggshells. Let's not, let's not poke the bear. Let's not say extra. we did. Yeah. I'll get you another <laughs> pair of diamond earrings if you shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> Please stop. We're all trying to make it through this night alive, okay? Um, to which Nesta, round of snaps and round of applause, just mm-hmm. says, nice earrings. And everyone's shoulders just relax. So again, I think this is kind of a moment um, that we all fall victim to because it's human psychology. But when someone's like super shitty, super shitty, super shitty, super shitty, and then isn't super shitty we like applaud them for it for her Mm -hmm. just saying like nice earrings we're like oh thank god she's not going to be Mm -hmm. atrocious like and we're all relieved but then someone like farah is really nice really nice really nice really nice when she does something really nice we're like "Eh, whatever yeah it's just her we don't think about it it's just it's just her because she's always really nice Mm -hmm. 
And I think this is kind of the epitome of being like a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. That just like it just really stuck out to me how like how relieved I was that she wasn't being awful. And I'm like, it's just not, not really fair to the other characters, to be honest. Like we just glorify it's anytime not. Nesta isn't atrocious, but we don't even acknowledge when everyone else is a good human, like a good being. Yeah. Not human being, like being most of the time for our inner circle. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I the heck? I agree. It is this weird psychology behind it. You're right. Of like, these characters are almost like, they're like, Lynching, like waiting. They're just waiting for Nessa yeah. to say something horrible. And then she doesn't even say anything nice. She's it's not even nice. It's literally just like neutral. And that's Nessa's like being neutral. Yeah. She's not, yeah. She's not doing anything kind. And that's kind of yeah. like the source of like, again, human psychology. When you're like, if you have a friend, heaven forbid, like a partner who's like extremely narcissistic or manipulative or things like that, it's like it's like that constant bullshit. And then when they do something that's not bullshit, it makes you think, oh, maybe they're changed. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And like it makes you see them in this wonderful light because they're like, oh, they graced me with this kindness. It's so, mm-hmm. so thoughtful of them. No, no, no. That's my biggest issue with Silver Flames. We'll talk more about that. We when will. We, we will when get, we get to that. it. But but it's just interesting because and it's I mean, it is progress for Nesta that she didn't snap back at that. And she looks at the cake and she looks to Farah and she says, happy birthday. And honestly, this is all going fair for what we would have expected for Nesta coming to this. And it's, it's tense, but everyone's doing okay. So it's a good sign. And so they all continue to pass presents. And it just shows like this present exchange, like you said, shows like their personalities. And it shows like how much they just truly, truly love each other. Mm-hmm. And the gifts are all perfect except except for Moore's gift or gifts of course uh but you know and Farah oh, Farah is like showered with gifts and it's just again it's so sweet it's so cozy it's Christmassy it just mm, makes you want to curl up in a ball and just go back to Christmas time I know uh mostly because January is the actual worst so the only yeah. thing getting me through January is knowing that Flame and Shadow's coming out soon. But yeah, <laughs> let's go back to Christmas time, please. Yeah. If you live in the Midwest, I guess Maine is probably similar. Like, it's like the holidays happen, and then like January is like, eh. We're in like a polar fucking vortex in Minnesota right now, so that's awful. It's been like negative five all day, every mm-hmm. day. Um, <laughs> But January is like, okay, you're still like coming down from the holidays and then february you're like okay and then march you're like get me out lee i need to leave immediately i can't do this anymore I can't no. i give up i'm tapping out i'm tapping out i should have tapped out three months ago but here i am Can I, um i just i just want to send a little smoochy smoochy across the sound waves to anyone who lives somewhere where it's cold and snowy and gray right now because seasonal depression has been kicking my ass and I have only it's only been winter for like two months and I can't anymore. So if you are struggling with that, no, you're not alone. And also, I just hope you can find something that brings you a little bit of joy because I feel you, dog. This weather is seasonal depression is no joke. 
Anyways, it's not a just, joke. No, it's just not. thought I would insert that. I felt it was very relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it like this whole scene just makes you want to like whoop, back to Christmas. Oh, yeah. But Christmas. we we get insight in, into Farah. She's like, I don't know. She had no idea what to get most people. So she made a painting for Cass, for Az, and for more. And you know, they all gave her a peck in, on the cheek in response, but you know, she's like very nervous about sharing this with them. Like that's a very intimate, personal thing, and they all like looked at it, and it was like this moment of like surreal silence, almost. You know, I feel like that's what Farah gives in her paintings. It's it's like a a window into her soul. It doesn't matter if it's good. It doesn't matter if it's bad. It doesn't matter if it's the best piece of artwork ever. It is, it's beautiful. It's, it's her. It is intrinsically her. And you know she picks like the most beautiful, perfect, intimate scene to paint for each one of these individuals. Mm-hmm. And then she gave Reese his present, another painting. Her first painting. Remember her first painting from when she mm-hmm. just painted her little heart out when she decided it was time? And it's of what she saw in the Ouroboros. And it's a gift. A mutual understanding of who she is, who she truly is. And Mm -hmm. it's also a mutual understanding of her acceptance of herself, of them, and of their life and who they are to the core. And it's just, it's like a very intense and meaningful piece you know, I feel like we always use the word intense in like a different context, but this is this is a really good example of like a unique use of that word where it's like this painting and giving it to him is is intense and because it's mm-hmm. so meaningful, because it's has so much depth. And I just think that perfectly describes their relationship as a whole. They're just I love they're so real. Yeah. They are. I love the just the like that we know that Feyre has seen Reese's beast form and we know that's like a vulnerable like form for him to be in in front of her right like I mean that's like literally the ugly the ugly side of him right and I just love the metaphorical like she's showing her version of that to him and I think there's just something to that when you have a life partner and even even friendships too. I mean, I feel like showing those parts of yourself that aren't always your best self or your the prettiest version of you or people just seeing you at very low points and still loving you and accepting you and like also loving that part of you too because we're not all perfect, right? We all have moments of being nasty or or feeling darkness or whatever and I just love that it was just this like moment of her showing him that and him accepting that in her and it's just one of the biggest reasons I love face and I just I love them yeah it's mm, chef's kiss mm. and there's one gift left from Elaine to Az and Elaine looked at <laughs> Elaine looked at him and said I had Maja make it for me and Azriel's brows narrowed at the mention of the family's preferred heal healer and she just said it's a powder 
to mix in with any drink. To which it is just utter silence. Everyone's obviously confused. And Elaine, again, she knows what's up. She just bites her lip and smiles sheepishly. And she said, It's for the headaches everyone always gives you, since you rub your temples so often. Again, silence. And then Azrael tipped his head back and cackled like a Cass-level laugh that came out of this man's mouth. This is the first time we've seen this from him. We yes. have never... We've seen him smirk. We've seen him, like, chuckle. We have never seen him... Yeah, like a Cassian-level howling, cackling belly yes. laugh. That's good shit. <laughs> that is... That that's is good shit. Also, the ultimate burn from Elaine. Damn. She yeah. roasted all of the inner circle. <laughs> and you know, like, I could just see Reese. Yeah. <laughs> I could just see Reese like being extremely impressed in this moment. Being like, a thousand percent. hundred percent. You know, he just gained so much respect for Elaine in this moment. He's like, okay, yeah. Elaine is one of us. Yep. Welcome. Uh, you want a t-shirt? <laughs> Inner circle. Welcome to the club. I feel you like may, that's that's this... like their initiation. They have to make As laugh. Yes. <laughs> if I you can make that. As laugh, you're in. Yeah, then you are part of the club. I feel like it's just so funny because this is a true moment of showing how similar Elaine and Azriel, if they're not romantically involved, are going to at least be really, really good friends with each other. Because yes. this was an Azriel moment. This was a you don't say much, but when you say something it's a Make zinger. it count. I mean, yep. yeah, it's just so good. Actually, and this is really interesting. And I feel like Solstice, it's Farah's birthday. It's like the most celebrated holiday for them. Shit goes down on Solstice. And that's why I thought it's so important for Nesta to be here. Because if you think of Silver Flames, mm -hmm. next Solstice, a year from right at this moment, Nesta comes to Solstice. And one person gets her a present. Who is that? Who is that, you say? It's Az. Az is the only one that gets her a present, other than Cass, obviously. Um, yep. And she hugs him. She hugs yeah. him. So Az is like the captain of like Archeron, like Archeron's sisters, like being in the inner circle. He like facilitates that on Solstice. It's just like, he's just so unique and interesting because. He's like one of the, like probably the least approachable of all of them. Mm -hmm. But somehow he is the one that like breaks the barrier for just about everyone. It, it, he's so fascinating. He's, he's fascinating. I love him. And so after this moment, the rest of the night passes in just like this beautiful merriment. And even with Nesta coldly watching as though it were through a window. And, and truly that's kind of how she's living her life right now. Like, it's like she's kind of just existing and watching the things happen around her as if it's not happening to her or with her because it's not. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone is is actually enjoying themselves. And the fact that Nesta is there but not truly experiencing any of it with them, only, only Farah and Cass can really understand the impact of that. And they can only really feel the the sadness that they feel for Nesta. But 
They all enjoyed their night regardless. And Amran and Varian were the first to leave, although it's already past two. It's not like they were, like, throwing in the towel early. Um, And they were quickly followed by Nesta. And as Nesta goes to leave, Farah follows her out and hands her the rent check. Right? This is what got her there, or what we think got her to come in the first place. And Nesta just pursed her lips and took it before walking out. But... Before Farah could close the door, Cass stormed right past her, out into the cold, toward Nesta. You guys, hold on to the warm fuzzies that you had from last two chapters. Everyone just take a deep breath with me. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Chapter 21. I have a lot of feelings about this chapter, you guys. And I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try and be as nice as I can. Okay. (laughs) So, Cassian has had it. He has had it, y'all. He is done with Nessa's coldness. And he has just, like, roaring in his ears as he just, like, gently picks Farah up and, like, bloops her, like, to the side and just, like, is in fast pursuit of Nessa. He's like, fuck this. And he's just like, hey. I'm going to walk you home. And Nessa declines the offer telling him just go back to the house. Cassian's inner monologue here tears my heart out of my chest and rips it into a million pieces and then sets it on fire and then releases the ashes like across the ocean, like never to be seen again. Like my heart just doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) That was intense. (laughs) It was, but it's how I feel. You guys, Cassian, I will say, of the three of the Bat Boys, you cannot convince me. He just has the biggest, he just has the biggest heart. Like, it does. Yeah. It kills me when he thinks less of himself ever because he is a fucking prince. Yeah. So, the fact that Nurse, Nurse, oh my God. (laughs) Nurse, Nurse, we've got Nurse, we've got Rethand. Rethand. didn't didn't we call tamlin and by we i mean me didn't i call tamlin something on accident you said it was quite the tamlin instead of tangent and that was one of my favorites too oh my god so nursta we've got nursta jesus christ so the fact that nasty nursta nasty nasty nursta it's like her rapper name Nursty Nursty Nursta in the house. Oh my god. DJ Nursty Nurse. (laughs) Wicked, wicked. Oh, fuck. Oh my god. Okay, so. That's something. One brain cell in the house. (laughs) You guys hanging in there with us? Okay. So, the fact that Nesta didn't talk to him all night like hurts him so bad and after reading silver flames we know that cassian does know at this point he suspects he suspects nesta is his mate like he doesn't know for sure but it's like he's pretty sure yeah (laughs) so he's just like damn she didn't even talk to me and 
He understands, which this again is the thing that I love about Cassian. He understands that Nesta needed space to cope after Highburn. He's been there. He's gone through that. He gave her the space that she needed. And I do feel like he's very, like, very respectful of that and her her emotional journey there. I agree. Um, he's he which is I love. amazing at that. Yes, he is. And Cassian just pulls on that, like, you know, his, like, shit-eating, foolish boy act, and he just grins and tells her, I need some fresh air, and just keeps up with her as she's, like, Olympic-level speed-walking away from him, like, right across these, like, icy cobblestones. I just, like, am picturing it in my head, like, her trying to get away from him, and he's just, like... It's like when you're running really hard and someone who's like very athletic is just like walking fast next to you, like no problem. <laughs> it's just how I picture this. Yeah, it's and like the Captain America on your left moment. It is, yes. I love anytime we can tie Marvel into this. Yes. I because you cannot convince me SJM does not love Marvel. Anyways, I will die True on that. the hill. So <laughs> they go a block. Before, just in utter silence, before she again just demands him to go back. And he's like, sure, I will. After I drop you off. (laughs) And again, I love him. (laughs) He then offers her the solstice present he got her. And, And he, you can tell he's just trying he's just trying to ease this tension between them. He's trying to find some way to just connect with her because Cassian knows that Nesta's not in a good place. Like he knows that. And she tells him multiple times she doesn't want the present. And on the outside, he's teasingly like, Oh, you'll want this. But on the inside, he is freaking the fuck out because he spent months trying to find this present. This is just unforgivable. Honestly, So, again, she declines it as she walks off saying she doesn't want anything from Cassian. And he continues to meet her with this sassy but loving teasing. And he can't help but think back to that day during the battle with Highburn. And how when he dreams of Nesta, he dreams of her leaning over him, covering his body ready to take the king of Highburn's power to protect him, to die for him, to Mm. die with him. And he has not seen a glimpse of that person for months. Can you imagine the emotional whiplash? That is, that is exponentially more heartbreaking than her just being like this all the time. It's the fact that he's seen the kind of person that she can be. And he's also seen how she can just turn it off. How easily she can just turn it off. Yeah. That would like, be so devastating. It it would be. Like, as readers, think about... I mean, like, for me, I had emotional whiplash just going from that end scene with them and being like... I remember being so excited, being like, oh, this is Finally. it. Like, she, yeah, like, they've been flirting. Like, I love this. I love their kind of, like, dynamic together. It's before she's, like, really, really super horrible like she's Mm -hmm. been bad but you know and then this i was just like oh no like yeah 
this is he's just like what happened to this woman who clearly loves me on some level cares for me she was ready to die for me like i mean that's love i don't yeah, really know how else you can explain love but um right yeah so he knows that nessa's been drinking and he knows about all the males that she's been with and again cassian's not he's not really the judgy type he's just like that's fine i just don't want to know if any of them mean anything to her like emotionally and also like do i mean anything to her at all but you guys he does care i'm stressed he has, I'm i know i know he has from the very beginning, you like the moment he saw Nesta, I just feel like he knew that this girl is like it for him. I don't know. But oh. Nesta Nesta spews more venom, telling him she's made it very clear what she wants from him. And Cassian just tells her he's done playing games with her and everyone else is too, that she really needs to try harder this year. Like just please try. And Nessa is irate now, coldly saying she was dragged into this world and this court. Why should she try? And then Cassian's just like, if you don't want to fucking be here, go somewhere else. And she's like, fine, I will. And Cass just says, be sure to write. Like, I love this. Just like, he's like, he knows she doesn't have anywhere to go. And she's just bullshitting. Like, She's already staying on Reese and Pharaoh's dime. Like, she's she's broke. Like, she can't go anywhere else. She can't go to the human lands. She's stuck here. But, like, if you don't want to be around us, then just don't come around. Like, I don't know what else to tell you, Nesta, is basically what he's saying. But on his end, because we know Nesta and Cassian get their very fiery, passionate individuals on both ends. And the fire has died down a little bit on Cassian's end, and he offers her for her to come live at the House of Wind. And she whirls on him and just says, stop following me. Stop trying to drag me into your happy little circle. And again, Cassian knows, he knows that Nesta is hurting. He can see it. And I love the way he describes her as a wounded animal. It's tr- It's true. It's like, if you see a a raccoon that's been like hit by a car and you go to try to help them, like they're still like, and like clawing at you, they're a raccoon, like, and they're hurt. And you know, they're a wild and they're scared and they're scared. You're going to hurt them more. Yeah. They're terrified. And the, how, how do they show that? They're like back the fuck off, like little claws and hissing. And he knows, he knows that this is what's happening with Nessa. And Again, he's just trying to find some way to connect with her. I think he's tried the whole Reese approach of of being funny and charismatic and teasing it out of her, but clearly that's not working. And he just says, just try for your sisters. They they love you, just at least for them. Like, you guys have all been through so much together. And he just stares into her void eyes as she tells him once again to go home. And she turns to leave. And at this point, Cassian, I mean, this is him breaking like his his facade, I feel, of being like, everything's fine. And he just 
grabs her hand and is like, just please fucking just like talk to me. You can you can talk to me. Just like let me in. I can help you. And she just rips her hand out of his snorts and then walks away. And this quote. Ugh, this quote kills me. Quote, as if he were nothing, as if he weren't worth her time, the effort, a low-born Illyrian bastard. Cassian just watches her until she disappears, and he hurls her present into the frozen Sidra, hard enough to crack the ice. This, yeah, like... Cassian, the fact that he just thinks less of himself in this moment of like, and he has future moments of this too. Nessa does this to him, like brings this out in him of this. He's usually such a confident guy. And with her, like, he just has those moments of like, I don't know, like maybe she wants someone better than me. Like maybe I'm not worth it. And it's just like, no, dude, like, I don't care who your parents are. You are an amazing being. Like, yeah, it just, it's not a it, you thing. It's a her thing. It's a her thing. And I do like I I understand like that it's hard here because he doesn't want to push too much because I do feel like he has a very good balance here of like not going too far. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. there's definitely a line that could be crossed of a female is telling you, leave me alone. And I think he does a very good job of not going after her at this point where he's just like, okay, like I've done what I can. And now I'm just pushing myself on this person who like clearly doesn't want me. And now I'm just going to go away. Yeah. And I think there's also a fine line with someone who's struggling with their mental health, which I mean, obviously she's in the, in the thick of it that if they're if they're not ready to be helped, it doesn't matter how many times you reach out your hand. Like they have to be ready to grab your hand and she's not ready. Yes. I, yes. I feel like that's the hardest thing with like mental health. Like when you, like when that is, is a factor in it of, of as the person who's trying to reach out and help of that feeling of just feeling like there's something that you can do to make it better and I just feel like everyone should know all you can do is offer your help be there you know be not at your own expense not at your own expense yes not at your own expense that is my biggest caveat with this shit as soon as it starts hurting you to your core Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is not your responsibility to pull them it is not your responsibility to continue to giving to continue to give that person a hand if that person Mm -hmm. isn't going to be brought up but rather drag you down yes i agree a thousand percent and it's just that that's my line yeah you can't and also there's only so much you can do anyways there's no point in in damaging yourself and your mental health and your well-being yeah it's that can feel like you're being selfish but you're not you're you absolutely are not (laughs) yes and also like just because like we always hear like in Silver Flames, just keep reaching out your hand. Just keep reaching out your hand. Like Cass, it's so easy in Cass's situation to be like, oh, it's my fault. I'm I'm the one, <clears throat> like I'm failing this person. No one's failing anyone. I mean, mm-hmm. there's Nesta is struggling and Cass is trying to help. And 
we're just not at a point where that's necessarily going to be effective right now. And that's okay. Even Mm -hmm. if like in Cass's situation, when you reach your hand out for the 350th time Mm -hmm. and you still hit a brick wall, that is not a failure on anyone. Or you try, if you're in Nessa's position and you try to grab that hand and you can't, Mm -hmm. that's not a, that's not a failure on you, someone who's struggling with Mm -hmm. mental health. If, you're in Nesta's shoes or you someone who's trying to reach your hand out to someone who's struggling in Cassian's shoes like that's not a failure on anyone's side and as like again we're talking about like human nature it is human nature to see ourselves as the failures when we cannot effectively help someone but Mm -hmm. it's literally impossible to always be able to help someone and meet them where they're at and give them exactly what they need because chances are they don't know what they need and what right. they and another chance like they probably need time and for you to just continuously be there but the more you bring yourself down the more you're not going to be able to be there for them right it's this just kind of like vicious loop but i love that you i like the way you said it of like it's not a failure on either of their parts because i feel like if you've been that person that has been in that dark place you can know what that feels like of of Sometimes you're right. You're just not there to be ready to accept that. And I think Mm -hmm. that's important going forward as we talk about Nesta. We will always, and we have a lot of gripes with Nesta. We have a lot of stuff to talk about with her. And I feel like our episodes about her are going to be very interesting because I think there's just a lot to unpack on both sides. And as we see here, Nesta... Nessa is in, as my girl Anne Shirley says, she is in the depths of despair. Like she is in the darkest of darks, the lowest of lows. Nesta, Nesta is not okay, you guys. Like, and again, I just, it's important, I think, to see it from both perspectives. As much as Mm -hmm. I love Cassian and I fucking hate that she takes it out on him in a a sense or just you know that 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 it it just sucks because I think he's in this place and she's not in that place and they're just not they're not on the same wavelengths right now and that's okay but it's just it's hard I think but we're in Nessa's perspective now she gets back to her apartment and silence just envelops her And she knows that Cassian has followed her and he's waiting to see that her light comes on before he leaves. And she has this moment where she's like, I could just not light it like and he could freeze his ass off all night. And this is the beginnings of us seeing that just her inner war of like, do I lash out or do I do I just give up and do this thing or whatever? And so she eventually does decide to light the Faye light so that he leaves. And she just stares at the banknote that Feyre gave her. And she's trying to muster shame. Like, she's just trying to stir up any emotion that she can, and she can't. And we learn Nesta, Nesta is not feeling anything. She hasn't felt anything for months. And... Sometimes she doesn't even know where she is. Sometimes she doesn't know what day it is. Her apartment, we learn, is freezing because she can't stand to have a fire. And this is this is the beginnings of us seeing 
Nesta's ultimate trigger. I mean, this is like her big PTSD trigger. Just the the sound of having a fire when the wood cracks and pops, all she can hear is her father's neck snapping. And in the townhouse during the solstice party just now, she could not stand to have to like be in there any longer because of the fire. It was had nothing to do with the people in the room. It was a thousand percent. She was just every time she heard it, it's just that's where she went mentally. And she finally hears Cassian leave and she sinks down and she just settles back into her silence feeling nothing. This is bleak. It's bleak. And it's also like, this is where I I struggle with Nesta as well, because and why I think it's so important that she goes to things like Solstice is just being surrounded by other people is so important, even if you aren't Mm -hmm. engaging with them, even if you have absolutely nothing to do, even if you're seeing it basically through a window, at least you're there, right? Mm -hmm. And you're absorbing things that people are saying, you know, it that's good. That's good for the soul, you Mm -hmm. know, and depending on who you are, sometimes less is more. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it's in her lashing out. This is where I I have a really big issue is because her lashing out really frustrates me in the way that she does it. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot less scary than her feeling and doing absolutely nothing. Right. At least That's, she's uh, yeah the the just like feeling nothing. That's mm, that's the scary part. That's the part that like yeah yeah that, that like really like hits in the core in the soul. Yep. Where it's like I if think- you've ever been at a point where you've truly felt nothing, you didn't care about anything. Like, that's a fucking scary place to be. That is a scary place to be. And it just, like, it breaks my heart. Like, this chapter breaks my heart for Nesta. And especially, like, at the end, and she just settles into her freezing cold, shitty apartment in complete silence. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's that. It's so, yeah... I just think it's good that the picture is painted here so we see, you know, like we know moving forward, like this is why, this is why. And yeah. again, just like we talk about people deal with grief in different ways. And this is how Nesta is not healthily right. at all, no. but coping with her father. I mean, this is her after her, I mean, her father died and there was a lot of unresolved feelings and it was a very complicated emotionally thing for her you know it wasn't Mm -hmm. it was different for her than it was for Farah and Elaine I think so I just they you know they just emotionally in terms of the relationship with their father I think it was just different and I think it's just important to think about that going forward yeah because I mean think about how Farah went through her stages of grief. I mean, we were at the Mm -hmm. same point of bleak. Yep. Just like, you don't care. She didn't care. She couldn't even look at red paint. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're in the 
it just Nesta is intense. And so her feelings are either everything or nothing at this point. And there is no Mm -hmm. in between. Nope. It's like she it's it's again, like almost like that humanity switch, but it's like her feeling switch. Like Mm -hmm. if she turns her feeling switch on, they're a hundred percent there, and the only thing she feels is like unending rage. Mm -hmm. Or she turns them off and she feels absolutely nothing. Yes. And this is like it's also like opens my eyes to like for me, when I'm sad, I, I am like Nesta in this way. When I'm sad, you wanna know how it comes across? angry i get really fucking mad Mm -hmm. and i don't even realize it half the time until like much later that i'm like oh i wasn't mad at all i was deeply deeply sad or hurt um about something and it's like my only way to express it is to be upset and mad Mm -hmm. and i just think it's really interesting again because you know it's it's one end of the spectrum or the other and she just has to work towards finding that that in between we have Mm -hmm. to it has to be one of those um has to be a a dimmer switch not at all i was just about to say that i was literally thinking that the entire time like Nessa needs a dimmer switch can we call up (laughs) the lows and prithian and have a guy come out and install that in her heart please yeah Yeah, no it's it's so true and i think nesta too is just one of those people. I think if you're a person, there are some people out there that just, I think also they're, they feel things very, very, very deeply, whether it's good or bad. I say that from personal experience. I was going to say that is Hannah and I, we're big feelers. You're the only other person I've met that like, when you told me that when you're sad, you listen to really sad music, like to like feel the sadness. Like I like, I'm the same way. Like when we first started dating, like, and I'd be sad, Riley would be like, why are you listening to like, this is sad music. And I'd just be like, I know. Like, I just need that to, I like things, but I'm a hundred percent. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it all the way. Right. Like I'm going to feel this emotion, but honestly it can be a good thing and a bad thing. And I just think Mm -hmm. if you've ever been to therapy, what you were saying about your sadness coming across as anger that's one of the things you learn in therapy is like just because the thing you're emoting isn't necessarily the thing that you're like the root of what you're feeling or what's mm-hmm. causing that emotion. Right. And so Anessa is just, I think, not very emotionally intuitive right now. I think she's mm-hmm. just in this place. Like we said, she's not feeling anything. She doesn't want to put the effort towards even thinking about what she's mm-hmm. feeling. It's just, but the part it's just the part that kills me is where she's trying to even feel any, like trying to feel ashamed about the check. Like that just crushes me. Yeah. 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 So that's where we are. (laughs) And this is the end of this episode, but I have to tell you, buckle Mm -hmm. up for next episode. I'm sorry. You have to wait a week for this. Maybe just read it right now. Read chapter 22. It's the best chapter in the whole book. It is the best chapter in the whole book period. It is. And I'm so excited to talk about it. I love it. Oh, man. Speaking Mm. of that, make sure you guys read chapters 22 through 24 to be prepared for the next episode where it will be a lot warmer and fuzzier. Uh, And thank you guys so much for choosing to be a part of our book club. A special shout out to our Patreon members. Um, We appreciate your guys' just unending support. 
100%. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow us at Instagram at House of Wind Pod. Also, as always, feel free to email us theories or burning questions to House of Wind Podcast at gmail.com. And all of this can be found in the show notes. We'll talk to you next week. Stay smutty.